Welcome, welcome, guys. We're back for another episode of The Lock-In. I'm David Lapp, and I am joined, as usual, by Darrow Carney, who I cruelly dragged out of bed on his day off uh, to film this. But actually, we were just talking about it there, Dara. It wasn't, strictly speaking, me who dragged you out of bed. I was sort of the intermediary person. What happened? Yeah, basically, I've been playing online nonstop every day. And thankfully, this, the online series do give you a day off. Uh, so I was looking forward to today lying. Instead, I have to get up earlier than I've been getting up every other day. I knew there was no way it was going to happen naturally. So I told Marie last thing before she went to bed, you're going to have to drag me out of bed at two o'clock tomorrow morning. And uh, she did a very good job and a very literal job. <laughs> and how has the uh, the week so far? We're one week into those online series. How's it been going for you? Uh, not made a single day too, so that's pretty impressive. Um, the series themselves have been going absolutely shite, but I've been going well in satellites and bowl comps. Um, I've been playing, you know, like the I won the Hot Thirty Three on Monday, and I won another tournament, on, another small tournament on Tuesday. So at least that's been uh, paying the bills while I do my bollocks in the series. I, to be honest, the series is not as big as it used to be. Anyway, I don't yeah. really play the bigger stuff anymore. Uh, the fields just look absolutely terrible, and it's kind of the way. Stars has gone in recent years. Um, the guarantees are smaller. It's just all of the guys, all of the regs have come back. And I think it must be a real culture shock for a lot of them because they don't play between series and they just come back to every series and it's smaller and regular than it used to be. Mm. Well, look, in deference to Dara, we're going to try and make this a, let's call it turbo edition of the lock-in. So helping us to push our small edges for this rapid fire episode is probably the fastest talker we know. She's a poker player, a marketeer, who has made more appearances on the chip race than I can even remember at this point. She's the inimitable Kat Arnsby. Kat, welcome back to the show. Hello, gentlemen. And it's always nice to start with the discussion about how you pros can't hack it in proper fields anymore. So you're dropping <laughs> down to the recreational tournaments and taking our money. Thank you the fuck very much. How are you both? Good God. <laughs> we're, do- I- we're doing good. We're do- I haven't- I've only dabbled at the weekends. Dara's the only one putting in the real grind, so I can't claim to be tired like he is or, or, or justifying, um, you know, having a-, a day off be ruined by this episode. Um, Kat, I build you there as a poker marketeer. Uh, you have worked in a number of different positions within the industry, but in more recent years, you've been part of the, let's call it, Unibet family um, in the role of, head- I have to get this right, hang on, write this down because I never get your title right. Head of Progit Marketing for Poker and Bingo. Um, Close. Within that- Close. So almost. <laughs> Close. Head of Product Marketing, Network Games. But yeah, oh. we. I mean, the, they are, the part, they are Poker right. and Bingo though, right? They are Poker and Bingo so far. Okay. I mean, okay. we're not sure what else you can network yet. Watch wow. this space. Almost, almost got it right. Um, within that role, you always keep your ear to the ground, I know, on what's fashionable in poker, uh, what works to sell the game, how maybe best to use media and social media to maximize impact. About six months ago, uh, you encouraged me to be more than just a lurker on the odd Twitter space. You made the case that it might be the next big platform for poker engagement. And it is certainly true that it cultivated a bit of a community, possibly a bit like Twitch chat. It spawned maybe a few different kinds of communities. It's noticeable, though, that Twitter spaces have died down quite a bit in recent weeks. What do you think is its potential, if it still has any? And uh, do you think it actually did make a sort of a even small cultural impact on poker? Um, yeah, I mean, as a general thing, I think spaces are pretty massive. I don't know if we're going to see X or Twitter still holding the monopoly on that kind of... I mean, I don't know what you'd even call it. It's definitely worth being called a market category to me. This is a new thing. It's not quite a podcast. It's not quite a radio show. 
I'm not quite sure what it is. So I think it's a really interesting format and it's something it's that... It's not quite that, a support group for people. It, it, it Exactly. It kind of is support, but it's not... I mean, what is it? Is it therapy? Is it a, a yeah. night out? Like, it's a very, very odd format. Um, and I think the fact that it's so malleable, it can be whatever the host makes it, is probably its key feature. Um, and I think it's something we will see young people engage with massively. So, I mean, I know you pretty much only follow poker players but outside that that niche world spaces is massive i mean i don't know if you ever heard of a guy called mario noir um i mean he's running spaces on cultural topics that are topping half a million people wow. listening to him i mean have one with musk in that crashed it you know it is definitely an interesting format and one to watch um where it sits in a traditional marketing funnel i'm not sure I have a feeling it's probably too new to necessarily categorize it. I think there's definitely some potential for acquisition if a space becomes established. So a Twitter character like Mario Nafal, I would expect to see his income streams increase quite significantly in, in the coming months and years. In terms of poker specifically, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we do have an ego problem in poker. Um, which reflects really well into spaces because you've got a queue of people who want to come up and say their piece. <laughs> so that really lends itself to the format when you have got a lot of people arrogant enough to think they're interesting. Um, <laughs> so that, I think, really had something there. When I first started listening to the poker spaces, it felt like something a bit different in poker. Um, you know, much love to you guys. You're obviously a fantastic podcast. There's a lot of pale copies out there. Um the you know there's a lot of the same chat knocking about i mean if you're not a really really serious mathematical player if you're a little bit more casual like i am there's genuinely you know, only so many hand histories i can see through before i want to yeet my laptop away so it felt like something where it really had nothing to do with poker but we could just all everyone that was in the groups knew about poker so that i think was the thing that's really interesting but i mean maybe it's always going to be the way for poker the egos kicked in and i think that's what happened to the primary space resulting in divide and conquer and you know that isn't going to work for any format where you have 15 people all trying to do the same thing so yeah probably not um a priority for poker marketers at the moment but i think anyone who works in digital marketing should definitely keep their eye on on that format. I mean, there's nothing to stop me as a poker marketer hitting up Mario Nafal if he's doing a, a space on politics or crypto. I mean, there's still a relevant audience for me there. I don't need a poker space to market poker. So interesting, but not quite there yet. Yeah, turning back to you, Dara, I know you haven't consumed too much Twitter space content, but you do have a, a new favorite bit of content in the form of former guest Bert Stevens, better known as Giraffe Ganger, and his Twitch channel, which it's fair to say is blowing up. And I'm kind of excited by this because I don't feel like we've really gotten any new big Twitch personalities. That's not to say there aren't people coming through. I think there's lots of you know people building their audiences from scratch and, and getting up to a certain level. But when it comes to like the very top end of Twitch... You know, Lex has seemingly been there forever. Spraggy, you know, uh, has basically been the big mover, but he's basically at the top. Kevin Martin, you know, Finton's kind of in the mix, although he's been less active in the last year or so. There's a, a, definitely a few names and a few up-and-comers as well, but it, it feels like Bert Stevens maybe is the, the next person to rise into that top category, and I know you're a big fan. 
Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. I, I, I actually, just before we move on to Twitter Spaces, I did I did make my first appearance on Twitter Spaces. Uh, not Ooh. long ago. It's, it's uh, I appeared on Sherry and Brian's uh, space. They they got me on, but essentially it played more like a podcast interview um, mm. with sort of interaction with the guests. Um, the way I look at Spaces, it's, it, it it reminds me very much of the early days of the internet when there were interactive message boards, and everybody thought that they were going to be the huge big thing. And actually, it, they never really broke away from being niche, and they they fell so they fell prey to the exact same things we've seen with Twitter spaces. They sort of splintered off into different groups. And because people were engaging so constantly, uh, fights and 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 and, and factions and, uh, and flicks arose very quickly. And it seems to be the same, at least in, in, in the poker world, as far as uh, spaces go. But uh, yeah, returning to Bert, Bert, Bert's a real breath of fresh air. Like he just has a wonderful personality. He's just a really funny guy, naturally. I think when he started his stream, he was kind of going for similar audience to the other big mover in in in, in the last year, Ape Styles. Um, and Ape Styles has built his channel essentially by being sort of the best player playing on Twitch and not being afraid to talk about his thought process. And mm. and clearly, there's a market for that. But as as Kat said as well, that that's not the mass market. Uh, most people want something else. And Bert has actually moved away and now doesn't really do strategy. He just sort of uses the the, for, the force of his own personality. And he's a hilarious guy, just a very, very likable guy. Um, and I, uh, his his explosion has been very, very fast. And yeah, you think it's only a matter of time before he's actually he takes over from Lex as number one. Um, it's it's just really, really funny. Like it's real fun to tune into his thing. Um, usually, I only consume Twitch if I'm on the table of one of the Twitchers, and then I just go to uh, to, to watch and see what they're what kind of mood they're in today um, <laughs> and if, they, if they're going to give away any uh any reads they might have on me um but but now more recently i've just been finding myself going to Bert's stream uh by default yeah and i think the thing that comes across with him you mentioned the phrase there breath of fresh air is completely right because what he's doing is maybe a little bit like what maybe tonka did at his best self which is yes a little bit of strategy yes he plays at a good level but really having that force of personality that's very authentic and very counter and very relatable to your average grinder who's getting frustrated and shouting at the computer there's that famous clip of him going around this week of him losing his mind when he gets too outed only to re-two out the guy on the river and uh and you know that just makes for hilarious viral content but it does speak to his stream in general which i've seen is kind of like that you know he, he wears his heart in his sleeve he's emotional he takes you through the journey of it and i think it's a it's just a really entertaining watch and i suppose the the the, the buzzword or the key part of that for me is authenticity like I, I don't feel like he's performing he might be a bit of a heightened version of himself but he's not really um you know he's not trying to be polished he's not trying to be slick he's if anything it's almost like kind of a grungy kind of stream yeah absolutely and, and another thing which i think definitely helps on Twitch is he's playing very, very high. Um, mm. He's playing higher than pretty much anybody else. Like he's, he's max late, max late regging five Ks. Um, so, <laughs> and, and lasting five hands. And then when he busts celebrating the fact that he played a perfect tournament in his words, didn't make a single mistake. So. <laughs> yeah, no, great guy. Well, look, Kat, I mentioned the word authenticity there, and that's a, a sort of a key buzzword really in modern media. Look, obviously, as a word, it's supposed to just mean that we're we're being truthful or being kind of honest versions of ourselves. But in a weird kind of way, authenticity in this context has come to mean 
sort of something different where it is still revealing of yourself, maybe, as I said, a heightened version of yourself. And I suppose what I, what I was going to ask you as our sort of marketing lead person in Unibet is, can you teach me how to fake authenticity? Um, if I could teach you to do anything, David, it would be a happy day for me, honestly. Like, you know, um, I, I think overall you're a very authentic person. I mean, that's that's why, in my mind, you've retained your role at Unibet because that ties in <laughs> with who Unibet is. You know, we've like been on the block then, Well, every year I'm like, can we get rid of David Lappin this year? And your boss is like, no, he works really hard. He's, so, he's just too real this year. He's, he's just too authentic, too authentically himself. I mean, yeah, there's most days I feel like sending you an email saying, can you be a little bit less authentically yourself? Like, can you just tone it down a bit, you know, but seems to be working for you and our brand. So I'll let you get on with it. Well, I wanted to link that in a more serious way to the idea. So we've seen one poker media company rise prohibitively, a bit like uh, the rise of Giraffe Ganger and his authenticity. Poker Org have really kind of hit the ground running uh, in a big way. I know they've been around for a while, but under a new management and new uh, editor and whatnot, they've sort of developed a very straight-talking approach to content, I think a sharper product when it comes to the fast media coverage that they put on. We've obviously had Sarah Herring on the show not that long ago, just before the World Series, and she talked about her role in that stuff. And also, frankly, they've just sort of poached maybe all of the best people in the industry at this point. Um, What's your opinion on that company and what they're doing in the poker space right now? Yeah, I mean, they popped up for me. I didn't really uh, encounter them in in my job. It was as a consumer of poker content, and they've just kept being retweeted into my timeline. And uh, yeah, I like them. I mean, I think they they take a really good angle. They've positioned themselves well to deal with joke stories, but also they could cover stuff from a journalistic viewpoint, which I think is super clever. Um, And it's just actually really nice to read something about poker that hasn't got a massive GG ad right in front of it. So, yeah, all things considered, um, I'm enjoying poker org so far. Do you, you, you write for them then? No, Darren and I write for a competitor, so you know, like we're giving props to to to, to so, somebody else in this spot. But it is funny you 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 bring up any connection we might have with them because I did want to just let you know, Kat, that uh, you know they've obviously promoted quite a few, call them competitions or sort of like fun engagement kind of things in the last year or so. Most notably, Runner Runner with the WPT. Darren, I inspired by that very much. So had a few meetings recently and, you know, there is a Unibet Open coming up in the not too distant future. You're about to ask me for some money, aren't you, Dave? You, you are here as a guest. And yeah, this is kind of an ambush right now. Um, oh, nice. Dara can't even look me in the eye. Look, he's turning away, <laughs> scratching. <laughs> but we were thinking, uh, you know, maybe uh, we, we could brainstorm it on air right now. But we had an idea that maybe we could give away a Unibet Open package. What do you think? Out of your budget, by the way. To poker org, what they're all going to share one package? No, to, no, to us, no, to us. But we would might maybe we would reach out and hope that they would help, you know, join the fun and festivities of uh, trying to figure out a way to give it away. Oh, I see. So a competition mm. to maybe poker org notice us because that we like that, don't we? We can't just buy them; they're not whores. <laughs> they're not poker media whores. So I see what no. you're getting at. So you, I give you a two k package. And you... at, le- at least one, anyway. Maybe you want to give more, but like we, we were, we were, we did, we'd accept one. All right, steady on. Get get the boundaries of the negotiation out first. So, and then what you you will bring a player to the Unibet Open. Yeah, hang out and with them, talk to them. 
Yeah. So, okay. So, Dara, I want to bring you in. Yeah. I'll bring you in on this one, Dara, now as well, because I know we've had the chats about this. Our best idea so far is something along the lines of a maybe competition where people post to their favorite social media, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, one to two minute videos telling their worst bad beat story. Uh, the more gallows humor, the better, the more creativity, which how they do it and how they tell it, the better. Sad music, singing if they like, somber vignette, whatever they want to do, anything at all, really, but just something that maximizes creativity. It's not going to be a poker competition as such. It's going to be more like people flexing in that sort of social media way. What do you think? I, yeah. I, mean, I like it. Yeah, the basic idea is we want to bring somebody who is 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 recreational and, and will be a big deal to them, uh, rather mm. than you know some hardened old wizened live live pro like cat. Um, <laughs> so, wow. One thing, wow. One thing we've noticed in terms of artists, I've noticed in terms of sort of the the newer recreations is they love a bad beat story. Like most of the time, they come up to tell me a hand history. It's basically a bad beat story, um, and. I do remember back around 2014, 2015, when I started paying attention to Unibet. Unibet actually had a, po- a very brief-lived podcast back then, uh, presented by Jamie Sykes. I think they only made maybe two or three episodes. But by far the best thing about it was they used to end every show by reading a bad beat story from uh, some somebody who'd written in. And Jamie would do it in a very somber, late-night radio voice, you know, the, the, you know those romantic uh, <laughs> heart radio where they talk about heartbreak or whatever. Uh, you know, lovely, lovely love story, but then she dies of cancer or something. That 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 was the sort of tone, and they had really sad piano music going plink 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 in the back. In, in the back, it, it, it was a really nice bit. Now it probably would have got very old had they ended up making 150 episodes or whatever whatever we've made. Just the that, same. That's the only reason they didn't. In fact, Darren, I think that was that they they locked themselves into a format. Yeah, so we th- so we thought we thought okay, maybe combine those two ideas, get people to to sort of recreate uh, that that earlier better Unibet podcast before they sold sold out and hoard out and went with the chip race, mm. and um, and and then hopefully we will get somebody that will actually it'll uplift their lives uh, at least briefly to bring them to Unibet Open hang out with us which obviously is a major selling point um yeah. We, yeah that's optional they don't have to they can have us meet them for a meal but they could also just like not have to deal with us if they yeah, want absolutely um yeah and and maybe if they get an interesting hand out of it um we might do a strategy piece with them on the show afterwards as well so um yeah i think that's the basic idea we came up with i mean it sounds good the only problem i see is that we the winner has to spend quite a lot of time with you two and I feel like that's not it's necessarily not, it's not all victory, yeah. Right, yeah. Like, um, yeah, I love it, guys. I love it. And but I mean, as long as you do bring a recreational player, right? The Unibet Open is a recreational players event. We, you're lucky we let you in. Um, so don't, yeah, I don't want you turning up with Feder Holt and being like he won our social media yeah. competition and he's giving us half each. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we got we got twenty percent of him. No, all right. So yeah, I mean, if it's for your audience, I think you've got a lot of recreational players who are in your audience. So yeah, no, I'm totally on board with that, guys. Let's see what we can do with that. Um, and even if Poker Org don't notice us, at least somebody in the community will get a free trip out of it. And mm-hmm. I might even stretch to putting dinner on expenses for you as well if you take them out for dinner. So Oh wow. Oh yeah. Um, so we're we're, we're, in, we're incentivized now. Look obviously we have to iron out all the details and we are sort of sprinkling sure. this on you on air. But we we, we kind of realize it would be hard for you to say no on air. So that's you know yeah. thanks for that. No. I mean it also not saying no was facilitated by this would actually go under the live events managers budget. So all super cool for me. Yeah totally <laughs> on board. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, look, we will spare our audience uh, how you write up terms and conditions and contracts, and, and ultimately we'll figure this one out over the next week or two. But uh, maybe as well to address something you were concerned about there, uh, an unbiased third party, Alan Pokerwork, or someone like that <laughs> might want to be the uh, arbiter of who wins in the end as well. So yeah, there, be, there's no funny business. It won't be us picking the winners of Barry Carter. Sorry, you're out of luck this time. <laughs> Yeah, I think we probably have to put that line of fairness in, but um, I'm sure we can get some support from the product team as well if poker org aren't available. But uh, yeah, I like it. Bit of fun. And I think we're all looking forward to the Unibet Open in Bucharest at the end of October. Sorry, end of November. <laughs> and, no, and definitely end of November. Nobody, <laughs> yeah, nobody sorry, I was uh, working on some IPO social media posts just before I joined this meeting. And that, I believe, is the end of October. So Correct. Well, well done wedging in a second promotion there. That's, that's why you paid the, the pros do it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think hour for hour, you're paid more than me, but we'll move on from that. <laughs> Rightly so. Dara, you and I had umpteen meetings about how to best do that promotion. But one thing I, I thought about was like, it's certainly the case that it, it it would be nice for us in a way to create something special that engages with our loyal audience. And also, you know, that there is a fidelity there to our audience, both the Unibet chip race audience, but also, of course, your strategy books as well. And I just thought, you know, maybe you could speak a little bit to that, you know, idea of how you build a loyal audience base, whether it be for your content or for, well, I suppose your written content in the form of the books too. Yeah, I think it's it's fair to say, like when I wrote my first book, I didn't really know who the audience was. Um, it, and, and, and that didn't really matter too much because it was just me explaining satellites. But over the course of writing the different books, I have realized that there's a very loyal audience. There, there, there are people who buy books. For example, there are people who told me they, they bought the PKO book, even though they don't really play online and don't play PKOs. Um, but they just like to support uh, the books. And um, and and that's very hearting. And if, if I was to categorize our audience, most of it, it's very diverse, but, but the bulk of it is what Barry and I refer to as smart recreational players. Uh, recreational players who are interested in the strategy of the game rather than other aspects of the game you know they're not they're, they're not as much into the gamble or or any of that stuff they just like working at the strategy and um and they actually put in quite a lot of work a lot of, a lot of them put more work and study into the game than a lot of the live pros i know for example so you know it's it, it, it's not necessarily a pro versus amateur thing it's more just a sort of an an approach so and when I go to live events, these people come up to me more, far more often now than than chip race fans or any or anybody else. Just people who've read the books. And oh, as dear. I said, they're always the same type. They're 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 people who are sort of into the strategy of the game, even if they're not full time. Um, and 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 that's kind of what drives them the most. Um, and it's very it's it's very heartening to have that sort of loyal audience. And they're also the the people who spread the word the most for us. You know, they recommend the book to other people. Almost every week we get a tag, we get tagged in a tweet where somebody has been asking for content. <clears throat> and one of these uh, loyal, one of our loyal fans are, are the ones who spot the tweet and, and, and sort of say, well, buy Darren Barry's books. So yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly useful and also very heartening um, knowing that there's an audience out there. And uh, at, at recent APT Barcelona hung out with um, Norwegian mixed game end boss uh, Tobias Lechnes for a while. He's the head of the Norwegian Poker Federation too. And he said that the books have had a huge impact in Norway. And he asked me, what's it like to have written the most impactful strategy books of the last few years? And it's it's kind of something which has cre crept up on us really, just realizing that there's, there's sort of this large, very loyal audience out there. 
Yeah, I kind of feel like you turned that answer into, you know, if you like the chip race, but you don't really want to listen to Dave at all. You know, there is this other there is this other product that doesn't involve him. Yeah, well, plan plan B has always been to just gradually phase you out. Maybe in the background, you can be the recording engineer, and I'm going to get Barry up front. I think the plan's taking too long to execute, Dara. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's yeah, way, I, I, taking you way too long to get rid of. I don't know. The yeah. fucking news segment is becoming longer. It's taking over the whole fucking. Oh my show god! At this yeah, point. no, no. I, I meant to say the news segment. Ha- we have to do something about that. I've looked at shows recently and gone like, why is this show? Why? Why is this show four hours long? And then this half of it is the news segment. Just you and Barry having your weekly catch up chat. It's. But before we, before we move on, like Kat said, your appeal to. Unibet apparently is that you're authentic, which is quite hilarious to me. But anyway, <laughs> that, that um, wasn't my words. I always, I, one I always of the thought, many appeals. Darling, I, I, I always thought the main reason you survived is you were the most likely to be to do sort of like a, an office mass shooting if you were, <laughs> and you do actually live in Mars right. as well. So, well, that would be very authentic. You know? yeah. <laughs> it be not, that would be an authentic laugh and reaction, I think. Right, get my gun. That's it. We're, we're taking the nuclear option. Um, no, wow. no, I just, this took a turn, guys. Yeah, this, this, this is kind of, <laughs> there I was making a funny joke about how Barry would definitely not really take over the show, which actually turned out you are plotting that you do want him to. And uh, yeah, sorry about those, I don't know, Godfather 2 length uh, news pieces. But that is what they become. I try, but my, I edit those. They're longer in the yeah. first version. He loves the chat, Barry. He loves the chat. Like you, Cat, loves the chat. That's why you and him are our longest, are our, our most uh, uh, often returning guests. Love the Catty chat. masochists. That's yeah. what we are. Brilliant. Well, look, quickly, sticking with you, Dara, you dispensed some, let's say, not strategy advice this week in the form of a VSO article entitled Envy is the enemy of patience and discipline in poker. Can you give a couple of examples what you meant by that? Yeah, this is something which has been sort of percolating in my brain for almost a year now. It's just, I've I, I sort of con- noticed a constant thread uh, among people who come to me for coaching. And, you know, let's say results vary. Um, some people, it works very well. Um, and even if they don't become full-time pros, which was never their goal anyway, uh, they sort of get what they want from it. Um, and then some people, maybe not so well. Um, and the, the one thing I've noticed sort of among the, 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 the not so well camp is that almost from the start, their main the main emotion they seem to express when it comes to talking about poker is envy. Uh, they envy people who are doing well. They envy the pros who have who have this amazing life, which they which they imagine do. They envy their friends who are doing who who, who won a big tournament recently, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it just got. It's it's it got it's a gradually sank in to me that that that's sort sort of just a bad mindset to to approach poker with, um and I thought back to when I started playing poker and and like you do see people when they start, the thing about envy is it can take many different forms you know at the start people are envious of other people because they win hands or they get lucky or whatever it's it's it's, it's sort of um just a natural expression of themselves at the poker table but then over time they kind of realize well you know look we all get lucky sometimes and. But then they start maybe envying people's results, or or um, so so it kind of moves around. And our our, our particular pernicious one, I think, is is what I call stack envy, where they're sort of in a tournament and they're short stacked, and rather than just you know going, I've got sixteen big blinds now, I'm playing. I'm trying to play 16 big blinds optimally. They're looking at their mate who they think is much worse at poker than them. And he's chip leader and every, and he's getting all the attention and they want to get to that stack quickly. Um, so they, so, so, so they punt basically. 
Um, and it's just a, a really bad mindset. You should never, ever be thinking about that sort of stuff. Like I always say, like just anytime you feel you either have a lot of chips and you feel very happy about it or you're short, just look around the table and realize that to win this tournament, you're going to have to win every single chip in the room. Um, and then it, it sort of becomes insignificant, even if you have uh, have got off to a very good start. You know, if you treble up the first hand of a tournament, that's that's a great start. But it's only 30% of what the average stack would be on the bubble. So it's, you know, don't get ahead of yourself on that stuff. Um, so I think anything which sort of pulls you away from just focusing on what you have to do strategically and you start introducing these other emotional things are like, oh, I want to have a big stack so I can push people around at my table. Um, it's 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 detrimental in the long term. And um, I mean, for a lot of people, it's growing pains. You know, they get out of it. It's sort of a natural reaction. But for a lot of people, they don't get out of it. And even as they, as they rise the ranks, maybe it gets more successful. I think it remains their Achilles heel. Well, Kat, I know that we're about to play a tournament here in Malta. Um, and I know that, uh, let's say, there will be an infusion of Italians, as there often is to Malta tournaments. And I did see a tweet from you recently where you, you were maybe giving out about the Italians and, and, and getting aggro towards them. I was just wondering, uh, when, when sitting in a room full of Italian players, some of whom have bigger stacks, do you ever suffer from stack envy yourself? Um yeah. I mean, when they're Italian, yes, I do. I, I wasn't being angry at the Italians. I was saying I fucking love it when the Italians are here. Mamma mia, when they turn up. Um, yeah, of course I get stack envy. I mean, these guys can barely count. So how have they got a bigger <laughs> stack than me? Yeah, that really resonated, to be honest, what, what Dara said. Um it was the word when you said you want to get to that position quickly and I'm working on this and I'm getting better, but that really resonated with me. I wouldn't have called it stack envy, but I like the phrase for it. I'm going to use that now. Um, but I felt that a lot of times and I know it's cost me money because I've made stupid punts. So that was that felt a little bit close to the bone, to be honest, Dara. So. <laughs> But yeah, well, looking forward well, to that well, tournament, Dave. Well, speaking of stack envy and close to the bone, uh, back in April, you tweeted, we're a grower, not a shower, in response to the news that Unibet Poker had grown for 14 straight quarters and 19 of the last 20 quarters, all the way back since April 2018. Now, just doing some math calculations here myself, I, I couldn't help but notice that April 2018 is exactly when the chip race won the inaugural GPI Global Poker Award for Best Podcast and has obviously been nominated all but one year since then. So my question is, why are these things connected and how lucky is Unibet to have us as ambassadors? You, you talked a bit about me, maybe maybe wax lyrical on Dara this time. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're very lucky to have Dara as an ambassador and it, you know, it, it's an extra bonus that you come along with him, David. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I would need to have uh, visibility of the full data set before I could make a correlative analysis on that question. I lined them up. It was almost like the same graph. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Well, bring it up on screen. Let's have a look at it. <laughs> oh, we don't have that technology. I'm sorry. Sure. Sure. I would screen have sharing. <laughs> I would have liked <laughs> the, the big green button in the middle, though. Yeah, I mean, all, all of these things help. We've got an amazing team at Unibet. You know that. We've got you guys. got an amazing product team. We've got Sebastian, the poker marketing manager. It worked his balls off. Um, and, and everything incrementally comes together. We've got an amazing community. Customers. We've got a really loyal group of customers who stick with us and they've stuck with us for years. All of those people helped to make Unibet the fun little poker site it is, mm -hmm. frankly. 
Yeah, and I did notice that the, I, I said there 19 of 20 quarters uh, went up. And I, I did mm-hmm. I hate to say I did notice the one quarter was the quarter that you were hired three years ago. But then there was an immediate correction. And I kept going up again. So there obviously the market was concerned about that decision uh, that Cat had been brought on board. But then, you know, or else. Or else we we were going to go into terminal decline, but then we got Cat and Norge to write the show. Oh, maybe that was it. Maybe maybe that was it. I mean, to be honest, the start of the pandemic and my contract with Unibet makes it look like I blew that poker product up. I was there two weeks and income trebled. So, mm. correlatively, the evidence is there. <laughs> so there we go. So, so 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 if if there's another pandemic in the in the near future, well, we should maybe be concerned that you started it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, bro. I've got a lab in my kitchen. There's rats all over the gaff. I'm desperately trying for another pandemic. My bonus has never been better. <laughs> there, there's certainly a lot of stuff growing in your kitchen. I could. <laughs> no, there isn't because your missus cleaned it for me because she's a legend. <laughs> <laughs> This is taking a weird personal turn. I don't like the way this. Sorry about that. Too over familiar now. This episode, Um, Dara. We we discuss various different poker sites uh, in this show and on the main show as well, and compare them to Unibet. Often, well, you know what they're doing well, what we think we are doing better, etc., etc. And we've talked a bit about different brand identities. I suppose that's a good way of putting it. Um, There's a large aspect of that that comes down to. Um, you know, what's coming from the top down, I suppose. Uh, I recall a brand meeting we all did in Wimbledon the first year we were ambassadors. And uh, there's also an aspect then, I think, as well, of it being more on the ground. Words like fun or safe or fair or community or rec-friendly sort of ringed true on this as kind of part of the, the brand identity of Unibet. What do you think we as brand ambassadors have done and can do to accentuate maybe those qualities, the fun, safe, fair community aspect, rec-friendly kind of part? Yeah, well, obviously, most of the content we we make is is um, aimed at those people. And we all it's it's also fair to say we engage personally quite a lot, quite well. Like anybody can hit hit us up on Twitter or or anywhere else. Um, you know, the reason I went on a Twitter space recently was not because I wanted to find out what Twitter spaces were, but because somebody asked me. And I always do like in, 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 I enjoy uh, engaging with the audience. Um, we we have a very good audience. Like they're um, they're they're fun people to hang out with. Um, so maybe it's just a product of the fact that you know as wizened old pros we don't really have friends so we sort of built this community of of friends around us Um, but uh, yeah I think that's kind of what and and then I think from an industry perspective we're we're always focused on sort of what is actually best for players long term rather than what's best for our bottom line as an example of that you know there used to be a lot of rebuy add-on tournaments from Unibet and I think my very first meeting or our very first meeting Mm. uh, with the person who was in charge at the time was to say like these are just terrible for recreational players um first of all the pros have worked out that the way you play those is you max late edge them you stall three or four hands and then you take the add-on and now you've got your chips cheaper than everybody else in the tournament uh, uh chip per chip and you're playing as people who have often satellited in and actually don't have the bankroll to take the bigger add-on so they're they're, they're they're getting done doubly on that they're forced into the tournament from the start and then they're not taking the bigger add-on so you know we uh, we we were very keen that Unibet phase these out and they have phased them out um so it's it's that sort of stuff of of uh looking beyond what's actually good for our bottom line because you know those tournaments were amazing for us like if we were just trying to maximize the amount of money we make from online poker we would want every single tournament on the internet to be like that um, and we would just max later edge them all, uh, take the cheaper chips, and we could even be losing players, and we'd still be making money because of the 
mm. the double boost of the cheaper chips and the ICM benefit are coming in late. But but sort of we've taken the approach, well, this this might be good for us in the short term. It's going to be terrible in the long term. We've all seen ecosystems that have, that have got poisoned. Uh, stars, mid middle of the last decade, the, the, the most famous one. Um, but party poker in the aftermath of Stars crash also um all of their efforts were 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 aimed at sort of getting the recreations across from stars because of their dissatisfaction with stars and they ended up with a with, with a very reg heavy um platform which ultimately sort of imploded as well for a for a platform to have long term sustained growth as Unibet has had, it has to be based around the recreational players. And you know, I I started by moaning about how bad WCOOP is, and then and 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 the reason it's bad is that stars have basically got very bad at attracting new recreational players and getting them to play at higher stakes. Yeah, they're all really good points. Another one is sort of protection of that ecosystem. I, I do recall you know chats in the last few years i hope it's okay me saying that maybe the fact that it's gone back a few years probably okay where stables had sort of put their players onto unibet and had them play there for a month and i presume rake a hell of a lot of money because you know if you if you do deploy a dozen or 20 guys to play every single nightly they'll 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 rake a lot um, and they probably make money as players because they're winning players but they'll they'll rake a lot and that'll sort of give the side an artificial boost and then they sort of come to you know, the powers that be, and they say, hey, look, we've had our guys on there. Do you want us to stay on? Do you want that rake boost? And every single time, whether it was Pomeroy or Chris Berkfell in more recent years, the answer is no. They just don't want that. That's not something that is attractive to us. That's something that we know would would provide maybe a great month or two in terms of a boost, but it actually would be devastating in the long term to the ecology. Kat, when you hear that kind of story, What's your response there? Because that obviously sounds like good long-term planning and sacrificing short-term success, which should be the model, really. Well, I mean, it it, it depends. You know, I I can't get too deep into it, um, but you've got to look at the the strategy a company has behind a certain product. So, I've worked previously where they were attempting to prioritize. Uh, poker as a product or at least equalize it and it had to stand on its own two feet in terms of the revenue generated and that means that you have to perform in a very different way in the market than if you work like I do now at, at the parent company of Unibet, that is not how they see poker. They want to be a full house operator and they believe that means sometimes having products that may use a little bit more resource than they deliver in revenue compared to something more profitable. It's just the overall mentality of my employer is to provide a good experience for people who like to gamble. So that means having poker as part of the, the suite of products. So it's one of the the, it is not one of, it's the most fun product I've worked with because we are a little bit over-resourced, you know, for how big we are as part of the company bottom line. We're lucky to have two ambassadors. We get plenty of marketing resources for, for what we bring in. Um, and I love that environment. Kindred is not eyeballing every bit of revenue. They are saying, what are you doing for our customers? How are you making this a good place to play? How are you making sure that people go and tell their friends, Unibet Poker is a place I like to play? And all of those questions, the answer is never, I'm generating loads of revenue, boss. It just isn't an answer to that question because it won't do what the company have strategically targeted us to do. So I would not said too much about uh, about the product there. I might get into trouble. But it, it, that's how a, a poker marketing manager makes their decisions. So when we see a, a company like Stars apparently pivoting away from recreational players, they are obviously just strategically moving their resources into another product. And I would suggest it's going to be Casino. They've got any sense it'll be 
lobby, casino, because stars, if you're listening, your casino lobby's a nightmare, guys. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's been the case since they conceived of it. It's certainly not a particularly clean product. Um, the other thing I think as well is, uh, to add to the, the point you both made there, is uh, the partnerships with live operators. You know, Unibet opens, you know, no secret. We've, we, we, we're we going to have one this year. We had one last year. Coming out of that COVID period, there was a sort of a, maybe a, a decision of whether we have lots of them again or do we maybe have one or two big ones. And what we seem to be doing now is going for the one or two big ones model with lots of partnerships with live operators running all sorts of buy-in tournaments. You know, the APT is a 200. We've just brought them into the fold. The IPO is a 350. Uh, Alex Henry and his wonderful DSO are 500s and he has about 10 or 12 of those per year. So uh, Frankie and his festival, like there's just, there's loads of these things that we're, we're trying to, you know, get involved in now as well. And, and I think it's it all speaks to maybe more grassroots as well, which I really like. Sorry, was that for me, David? Well, it can be. Okay, if you have a follow-up, by all means. Um, uh, no, well, I was just going to say it's it's massively beneficial to the players. It, I, that's why we do it, because honestly, working with all these small live operators is quite a lot of work. It's a pain. We still have to jump through the same legal hoops as if we were working with the biggest live operator in the world for a guy who's going to have an event with 300 people um, and we absolutely will continue to do it because it benefits the players they love it people want to play live poker they want to qualify for those events for cheap and they want to go and have a little holiday and some beers and if we can provide that service we just decided not to be brand cling it you know if we can support another brand then we support another brand we love poker well, look, in the spirit of uh, being authentic, seeing as that's what I am, uh, I'm very aware that this has been a much more navel-gazy sort of episode of the lock-in. I think uh, just the week that's in it, there's a lot of online series on, at the moment. Nobody's really generating news. Everyone's just too busy on their computers. Dara will testify to that. We were talking about it just beforehand, how not very much happened this past week in the world of poker. So it lent us an opportunity in a way to look inward and have a chat to you, Kat, obviously being uh, the best person within the company to have a really good articulate chinwag about these kind of marketing ideas and, and what we want to do coming forward. And obviously also to ambush you in the way that we did earlier and, and yeah, good steal, steal, steal money out of your copper. <laughs> that was a super long-winded way of saying that you were scraping the bottom of the barrel because no one else is available, but I'll take it nonetheless. It was a pleasure. They're, they're all playing online, Kat, it's their only day off. It was hard <laughs> enough to get Dara for this week. <laughs> On that note, Kat Arnsby, thank you so much. Thank you. Speak and Daryl Gurney, go back to bed if you want. It's okay. You can go back I'm to bed. I'm definitely going back to bed now. Yeah, this this is my one day off. I was almost glad I didn't make a day or two today so that it wouldn't ruin my day off. Well, enjoy that. And until next time, thanks very much, everyone. <laughs>